Hey everyone, and welcome to my new podcast series. What the hell is esports coaching anyway? In this series, we'll be discussing exactly what esports coaching entails and all the forms it takes across esports. My first guest is Dids, one of the most well-known and successful coaches in the PUBG scene, having coached for notable teams such as SDK, TSM, and now FaZe. Dids gives us an insight into FaZe PUBG and some great insights into the progression of coaching within esports over the coming years. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Dylan Didiano. I'm just about 27 years old. Um, I'm currently the coach for FaZe Clan's PUBG team. And I previously coached uh, in PUBG for TSM, for Dignitas, that was my first team. And in between that was Lazarus and SDK, the, the team that most people know right now is the best team in NA. Mm-hmm. That- oh. By far the best team in NA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how did you get started in coaching? Uh, I think my coaching story is pretty unique to most others, um, at least in PUBG. I don't know about like other esports, but it kind of happened naturally. Um, I introduced my brother to PUBG at the very first, uh, I guess in, this was in 2016, 2017. I'm not sure what, what time exactly of those years, but, um, it was pretty early on and he got really good at the game coming from h1z1 pretty quickly and uh he got into like discords with tournaments that were running at the time um and he started uh started competing he found a team he started competing with um and i became very interested because at the time i was working in esports with a company called uh, northern arena which was a canadian esports tournament organizer and uh, I, I was also an avid watcher of CSGO and League of Legends. So I was pretty invested in esports on my side, like side time. Um, I was in school at the time too. So, um, but yeah, he, he was basically competing and I kind of naturally got interested and started watching the games he was playing in with his team. And um, I kind of started giving input just on little things that I, that I noticed and the team seemed to like uh, what I was bringing to them. And that to me, like, was a really good experience, like having someone say, oh, like what you're saying is really helpful or like we really like the, the things you suggested. And then seeing them use that in their tournaments and having them like see good, um, good success with like, uh, like, like good progress with the stuff that I was suggesting um, that, that felt good to them. And they voiced that to me and it felt good to me as well. So kind of basically got hooked at that point. Mm, OK, that's that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. I feel like a lot of coaches they'll uh, they'll have been playing they'll have been obsessed with playing for years and years and years, and then they just end up falling into it, you know. Um, yeah, that's something that uh, that I never really, I guess, experienced. I can talk about this a little bit later, but I was never a player myself. Like I played maybe in one one event. I think it was a Curse Trials, and it was like four games or something, and it was only because one of the players couldn't make it. Yeah. So. Like I didn't have that that player experience. I wasn't as skilled as the players at the top level, um, and I never competed in anything before that. Like I played some minor like CS:GO, like low ESEA rank before that, and that was pretty much it. Uh, the only other coaching experience I had was when I was really really young, like maybe like 14, 15 years old, and I was uh, coaching a hockey goalies. Like uh-huh. that was like like minor hockey goalies, like coaching like a four year five year old kid how to play goalie. Uh-huh. And that was pretty much it. So, yeah, no experience whatsoever. Just kind of naturally learned as I went. Oh, that's cool. 
I think we're going to end up seeing a lot more, a lot more people um, start getting into coaching like that in esports rather than how it has been as ex-players. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not the traditional way, but uh, it's it's possible to do it without being a player in the past for sure. Mm. Uh, so how did you get your first coaching gig? Um, so I was coaching without pay for, I think it was about five months, um, without pay before managing to convince Dignitas that, um, my team at the time could get them better results than their, their current streamer team. Uh, they had a team full of just streamers and they weren't really playing that well in their tournaments that they were competing in. Um, basically I just sent their management like a relatively aggressive email explaining <laughs> that and, <laughs> and, and the conversation like started from there. Um, because of course they were, they were interested in winning. And, uh, right before I decided, right before we got signed, I decided, you know, I, I actually don't think this, this roster that I'm bringing them is the best I could. And there was, uh, there were players on the market in, in the European scene mm-hmm. at that point in PUBG. um, just to give context, there was no rule about having uh, a 50-50 split in roster. So you could have two players from uh, Europe and two players from NA if you wanted. So there were two really strong free agents um, at the time. They were playing for a free, free agent team at the time. And so I decided I would make a roster change right like during the signing phase, which is really bold and really like uh, mm-hmm. risky. But I felt super confident about it and you know, playing in, in the scrims that we did with Gustav and Wookie Bookie, I was like, yeah, this is the team I want to bring to the first org that I, that I ever joined. So, um, I convinced Dignitas that, and they, you know, they trusted me like right off the bat. And, uh, yeah, we replaced Oxen with Wiki and, uh, it was uh, the full roster was Gustav, Wookie Bookie, uh, Uncivil, who's an SDK player now. And my brother, Adam, who plays for Illusion in NA currently. Mm-hmm. I remember that actually, cause I was, I think I might've been playing on on slime squad at the time maybe when all that happens yes i think you were and that was i think you were yeah was that with uh carbon i believe oh yes yeah the legend himself um <laughs> yeah that was a that was a strong team i feel like it was most people didn't expect that to happen i feel like like the the change I, of roster oh, like going into the signing or yeah um, it's uh i felt like that was the first like big bring in eu players to play on na like bef- oh, okay. before okay. that i think it was just i i would have been like hypoc um like uh, just other me uh mjo like yeah. just a couple players who yeah and that was also right after they i got set i think they got second place at the gll like season one land yeah so like as lumber mill yeah, I remember so that, that was a pretty big thing yeah okay um so let's talk a bit about where you are now then, uh, FaZe. Mm-hmm. So what does the future look like for FaZe PUBG right now? You guys are doing pretty well um, at the minute, I guess. Yeah, at the moment we're doing we're doing pretty well. Um, it has been a rough beginning to the year, I'll say. The first half of the year mm-hmm. wasn't as we would have wanted to see uh, in terms of results. Like, I mean, we didn't do horrible, but it's definitely not like the dominant phase that people were used to last year um, before I even joined before Gustav was here um, when they had Mexi on, on board and uh, you know it, there was a lot of things that I wasn't really expecting coming into it and mm-hmm. there was a lot of changes that I, I right off the bat like after you know observing them for 
a week or two of those, how things are going without me, like even doing anything, right? Like how, how, what is phase right now? Like just joining in. Um, yeah. Like there was a lot of things that I was like, wow, okay. Like there's a, there's some things that I don't know uh, if they, if this has always been like this or, but, but I definitely want to like make changes here and make improvements here and here and here. Um, and I think that's hard for a team that's been, you know, <clears throat> they've got success from doing things a certain way for however long. Right. Yeah. It's hard for players to be like, Oh, all of us, like we've been doing so good and all of a sudden you want change. Um, but from my perspective and, and this is something that the players have to understand as well is that PUBG has evolved and other teams and players have gotten better and they're just doing things that, you know, we weren't and they weren't right. Because they've seen success in the past by only doing what they were doing and, and nothing, you know, extra or anything above, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so the changes we made, like from the beginning of the year, since I joined to now, um, like they're nothing crazy, but they're just things that, you know, I think can go a long way in, in keeping up with like the meta and keeping up with uh, the things that, you know, other teams I'm sure are doing like just the extra things that any esports team in PUBG or not should be doing in my opinion um and i won't go into too much detail about it but uh basically these are things that they weren't doing or maybe they weren't doing properly and i'm just kind of tweaking them to make sure that you know we're on the right track and the progress is is showing like for this tournament like we're playing a lot better uh pcs2 um we made a change in in the igl uh point of view but i mean that wasn't a a huge issue but i think that you know having gustav making the like doing the organizational work and having fuzz's ideas still in there because his ideas are super strong and having him focus more on his individual play has gone like has gone amazingly for us so far and the team is just feeling better overall and like this new approach so mm -hmm. it's going well and that's the important it's it's the tricky thing when you i guess you're the last person to come into the team right as the coach yeah. and you've got to you've got different beliefs than what they've had and you've got to sell them on this is the process that i think we should be doing right i think some For some sure. players struggle with that but once you got them on board um that's when you start seeing a lot of success yeah it's a, it's about making sure that everyone's on the same page and um, people are buying into the process and mm -hmm. the, the approach that the, the team as a whole wants to wants to make right um yeah. whatever that may be like it could be me even like when i joined like this is how they want to do things and i you know i have to uh say you know if that's the way that they want to do things and they're really hard set on it and maybe management is behind them as well um then we go that route but you know me coming in and explaining things to management explaining things to the players on how i see things should be um, and having, you know, management back that and saying, yeah, I believe this is the way that it should be. So we're going to like, everyone should be on board with this and try to make that transition. So, uh, that's pretty much what ended up happening. And that's where we're going now. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's an important point is having management on board. Right. I feel like mm -hmm. I've seen a lot where it's, they'll bring in teams will bring in coaches, but it's still, if the, if, if a player makes a complaint, then it's what the player says and yeah well maybe yeah. sometimes that's correct i feel like a lot of the time if you're bringing in coaches it has to be the coach's way and the coach is in charge um if, if you look at traditional sports right um like the players especially like superstar players that have been you know there for a long time on the franchise or whatever and they're always high performing players and putting up numbers 
they have a lot of pull and they have a lot of say, um, but it's not the end all be all. They're, they're, the coaches are there to make the final say and the, the management, um, in my opinion, have trust with the coaches on, in these traditional sports teams. And it should be the same way in esports. Like the, the, the coach is more on the management side, I believe, than the, than the team side um, and the player side. But when it comes to like, like having that border in between, obviously the coach should be like that, that mediator in between the two, right? Because you want your team's best interest and you want the, the organization's best interest as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 not something that we see most often in esports right now, but it's definitely like in my opinion, it's the way that it should be, um, and management should be involved because the more that they know and the more they're informed, the better decisions they can make and the more they can enforce things, and um, their team's just going to be having better results because they have more impact and they're more informed on like things that are happening like on the team level rather than just like oh yeah, just go do what you do and. You know, we don't, we don't really know anything about it. Just like we, you guys are the best players. You have the best stats, like whatever. But, you know, when you have that kind of communication between the team level and the management level, you can do a lot more, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you definitely see that a lot where management will suddenly turn around and they're like, why did you bat in this tournament? Or it's literally, you did bat in this tournament, you're cut. Um, yeah. Without yeah. any no interest context. in what happened. Which, yeah. which is a real shame because... A lot of these teams could bring in a sports psychologist or um, bring in an analyst if you've already got a coach or even just bring in a coach. Um, Any sort of outside help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And literally just takes a little bit of care, a little bit of time just to find out what the problems are and try and help with that. Because you've potentially got a team that's a championship team, but you're just letting them destroy themselves. Um, yeah, it's true. The, the potential is there like on paper from management's point of view, like you're signing a team for a reason um, and you want like, ideally you should want the best for the team by, you know, putting in uh, and giving them the, the adequate, um, I guess uh, the adequate amount of, of interest. And um, you want to be there for them. Like you want to know what's going on, help them on the, on the team level. And uh, instead of just like, kind of like, it's, it's not a, you know, here's the contract, you're a part of us now, and, like, just go do your thing. Like, you need to check up on what's going on. Otherwise, like, things like things may work out, but most often it's, it's not going to be that way. So Yeah, it's also the idea that they're just they're then paying these salaries and just throwing their money away without caring, which is, which yeah, is crazy to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what do you think of the, the future of PUBG? Like, it's, I guess it's somewhat hard to talk on because everything got switched up this year mm-hmm. i feel like everything yeah. got put on hold um but yeah how does the future look i guess it looks a lot better in uh in europe than it does in america uh yeah that's definitely the case um i will say like like you said con- considering like what happened with covid and stuff it's uh i think they're doing a really good job of of adapting and i think they have done a better job this year than in past years of just like planning planning for the future and like yeah. giving more information out time in advance that was something that they struggled with in past years with like players just simply waiting around and organizations like ha- not having the proper communication with PUBG yeah. um not not the communication that should be there and they're just kind of like waiting for 
you know, the events to be announced. And, and, you know, I mean, even when an announcement comes out, there's just like very little info and it's so subtle of an announcement. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no details and, you know, they're doing a better job of that now, in my opinion. And I think that that COVID almost forced their hand and, and especially like in past years, like all the, the criticism on them that pretty much like forced their hand for this year to like step it up and make changes and actually listen. Um, just last week they, gave out um a form i think for player feedback so they're mm -hmm. taking that more into consideration now than ever before really um player feedback has always been a big thing and like you know players would post things on twitter and like tag the you know PUBG esports and the people yeah. involved at, in PUBG, and, and you know those those things they just be ignored like um maybe at least to to like the public's eye right like yeah maybe they're being looked at and and they're just you know they're making decisions internally but it's it doesn't seem like it's even being looked at from the public's point of view and from the player's point of view because they're not communicating about it so i think there's things that you know obviously they, they've made mistakes in the past and they've got a long way to go but it's better late than never that they're doing it now so yeah <coughs> that's what that's where i'm with that i mean that's good to hear because i know when when tempo backed out of pubg at the end of the year um i was pretty much told like the communication was so bad we we could never work with with PUBG Corp again yeah. and that's that's such a sad thing uh <clears throat> it's good to hear they're doing it now which um hopefully it keeps all the orgs that are invested in EU still in it um that's so much so, yeah that so much. there was a big reason why a lot of started to interrupt but yeah. a lot of teams backed out a lot of orgs backed out in the early days like for instance uh, yes. cloud nine right yeah. like dignitas i lost my my job or my like my org because the communication just wasn't there yeah. and these are these are players and and people's like lives right like all of a sudden like you're you're committing so much time and and you're like everything's there and then all of a sudden you just have no more uh salary you have no more paycheck and you're still committing all this time and you know like yeah that's that's not something to be taken lightly and due to the fact that it's just like literally just lack of communication and like being able to like just respond by email or whatever it is right um like that can be like you can be saving so much hassle and so much stress from all these people that are involved so it, i mean like i said it's better late than never it's good to see them doing more of that now and putting that more of a focus um taking into consideration the player's perspective the org's perspective um, while keeping their interests in mind as well and going from there. Mm -hmm. But that was always crazy to me that they put on all of these these land leagues, spent millions on it, and then just didn't care. But now it's now they pulled back. I guess they feel more free to be able to do that communication because there's there's not as much scrutiny on them. Yeah, yeah, but and they're also they're also probably talking a lot more offline because of the situation we have now. So it's a lot easier to keep that communication when you don't have to yeah. see the person in, in, uh, in a physical space and like, but, uh, but yeah, I think, like I said, they're doing a, a better job now than they ever were. So I just hope they keep that going and maybe learn more from other, uh, other games, like other game developers and how they're handling their esports and what they might be doing. Um, to to implement like new ideas and ways that we could just like bring this esport back because like just to go 
like go further i i really do think and i still believe this to this day like PUBG esports has a lot more to bring especially if you know and you're educating the audience more about like what it actually takes for these teams at the top level yeah um like i would say more so the top of na and then more eu and the other regions but like what are these teams what are the decisions these teams are actually making like educate the audience more about like actually what it takes and uh what they're going through because like if you understand PUBG at that level then you appreciate it so much more when like the little plays are made or like the little things are paid attention to so yeah that's something that can be highlighted a lot more as well as something i talked about recently is and what this podcast is about is just the coaching aspect and like adding that into into the, uh-huh. the mix as another layer that you know casters analysts can talk about and PUBG can highlight as well um it just yeah there's a lot more than just what viewers see at least the average viewer sees right now yeah i'd like to think they're working on things like that when they've had this this year um i, I feel like it's like a bonus year where mm. it was like make or break it would have been make or break this year with their new format but now they've had an extra year to figure everything out so i'm excited when all the uh, all the land tournaments start back up to see what they're gonna do um yeah okay yeah that'll be exciting once we play again on the global stage and uh things are more uh i guess com- the competitive integrity kind of comes back into play yeah and i yeah. i don't i can watch it without worrying about coming last place it'd be nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no team involvement anymore <laughs> yeah uh okay then so what are your goals after PUBG? um so i've it's a tricky one with this year yeah it is a tricky <laughs> one with, with, with this year and you know everything that's kind of happening things are kind of slowed down on my end so i had a lot of time to think about like what possibilities could be like going further than PUBG. um i think i'd either like to keep coaching if i can and i'll look more towards valorant if i were to do that mm-hmm. because that's a game that i've taken a lot of interest in and i think is gonna go a long way in, in, in it's esport just because you know it's run by riot and they have a lot of experience and you just you, you just know it's gonna it's gonna be a big one um the way things are going all the all the orgs are signing in now and they're picking up teams and um it's looking really good yeah. so that that's definitely something that i want to get involved with if i can um either that or move into management with a big org um i would honestly love to be in charge of something like player development um for an organization because i think that's something that's like a department that we don't see focus on as much in esports as we do in traditional sports. And I think it can go a long way in terms of uh, success in the long run for teams. Um, I think a lot of orgs are mainly focused on just signing the best talent they can and making it, trying to make it work and just kind of leaving it at that, you know, working with a Mm -hmm. coach and maybe a sports psychologist like coming into play now. But I think there's just a lot more that can be done and more attention can be paid to each of these teams. So like if you have someone that's literally just their job is to check up on each team that you have in every game, try to learn as much as you can to be as close as you can on that team level, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have like, let's say a Rainbow Six team and you're you're checking up with them with uh, like a weekly or bi-weekly meeting, whatever it is. What is it that they need to make sure that they're improving and they're getting better? Um, like filling their needs then going to the CS team, what are their needs? Um, going to the next team, like having someone in charge of that stuff, like solely that is their job. 
and kind of bridging that gap like we were talking about management to to team level mm-hmm. um, I think that can go a long way in esports because if you think about it like in traditional sports it's it's just one team they have to worry about really yeah um, the management the general manager whatever it is he's in he's in charge of like just the football team or just that hockey team or just that basketball team and they just focus on that but in esports there's all these games and you have multiple teams that you have to manage and not every one of them has the same needs mm-hmm. so I think that's important to to look at and i would i would love to do something like that for sure yeah in the future. i didn't that's interesting because that's uh it, that's feel like that's something that i've been slowly developing towards in my role with tempo you know when i first mm-hmm. stayed with them my role wasn't really defined it was more just like help out with esports stuff when i needed and then it slowly become like oh, i need to you need to help with this area and this area and this area and then I, it's slowly becoming this what I would call exactly the same as you player development role that yeah that you don't see um and I agree with you I do think every org in the next couple of years will have that sort of staff I think you've started to see a couple of teams bringing on um like sports psychologists full-time which this is more like on the LCS end of things so mm-hmm. you know the yeah. more LCS the more CS extreme, go a little bit yeah but they could there's they have the potential to take this that sort of core team for the LCS and it should be across all of their teams in all games. And I think they'd see they'd see positive results for every team. Even if you're talking about mobile games, you know? Yeah. Some people seem to, yeah. some people will say they're simple, but it's still when it's at the top level it still takes a lot of a lot of effort. You still can get get in your head, so you wanna have a sports psychologist, you know? all of that um, yeah anything competition anything competition exactly. it takes that mental <coughs> that, that mental training that mental fortitude that team chemistry that environment like uh, there's so many different factors that people don't think about um and you can simplify it as much as you want and be ignorant but if you like if you're if you're doing that then obviously like you you just don't have the experience you don't know yeah. what is actually going on so that i mean that's fine for people who just want to be ignorant but um like there is so much more that goes into being a, a top level pro it doesn't matter if you're playing mobile game it doesn't matter if you're playing in you know lcs or whatever it is um on a- anywhere in, in between that spectrum it, it takes a ton and it's very similar and a lot of experts in traditional sports and people that are bridging the gap will say this that it's it's very similar to traditional sports and what it takes for like a top athlete and first for, for instance, uh, hockey or football or um, basketball, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. That's actually, when you talk about simplifying, it reminded me of, uh, I think I spoke to you about this before, but when I, uh, when I first joined Tempo and I was, I was essentially told that my role would be just to tell the players where the other teams are moving around the map. And yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, sure, that's, that's a very small part of what I'm going to do with the team, but but yes, and uh, those people actually aren't with us anymore, so I don't I <laughs> I don't mind saying that. Um, but yeah, it's funny how like even even then, which was what two years ago now, uh, I feel like the coaching space has changed a lot. Even in that period, sure. there's a, there is a lot more understanding. But there's still, for sure. and still a lot more for people to learn and understand. And a lot of it comes from the coaches kind of expressing 
like what is actually going on behind the closed doors and you know maybe not in detail but giving just some insight like we're doing right now to what it takes and what you know what is actually involved Mm -hmm. so okay uh yes let's let's transition away from PUBG then and let's talk more about coaching on a whole um which we kind of have already been doing but (laughs) we've digressed a lot uh yeah so have you ever experienced any issues you know with players or org staffs that don't understand coaching which is i guess a similar point to what i just brought up um yeah i think uh that's something that i haven't experienced in a while but uh i think i was maybe the first or among the first PUBG coaches so in the early days that was something i experienced quite a bit obviously uh i think you were the first players and i i think i might have been the first. at least in um, the west yeah i don't exactly i don't know much about the, mm-hmm. the east side but um yeah i think it was the first but anyways it, it was something i experienced like right off the bat like players and and orgs you know they they just didn't see the importance and i would get messages when i was trying to like this was before dignitas mm-hmm. and i was trying to you know work with some teams in uh, in the oakland event for instance yeah i reached out and you know the the questions were very like skeptical about like why they actually need a coach and what that can bring them and like is it worth it like um teams didn't really want to pay to fly you out and teams didn't want to pay you a salary and like they didn't think it was worth it and so most didn't see the the need and uh, they certainly didn't want to pay a coach yeah so it was it was kind of on me to like just kind of keep working at it and break through that barrier and just let time kind of uh do its thing and show that it is actually uh, in my opinion needed and it can be helpful and you know now in in if you look at PUBG esports literally every team has a coach you yeah. can have unpaid coaches for these unpaid teams and um you know whether it's part time but they still have someone helping them out with the things that are necessary so mm-hmm. um it is helpful and you know it took a while for people to see that but you know i i mean i didn't have to be convinced myself i already knew it but um in order to <laughs> in order yeah. to start making money off of it i needed to prove my worth i guess i needed to let time do its course and um you know when it come came time to signing with dignitas the players they they did their job in terms of like um you know saying like you know dids is valuable he he's a very valuable member to his team and we think like he deserves this and whatever it was like that like that's coming honestly from them and you know, i appreciate that so much for all the players that did that for me yeah and uh yeah i actually had it's, it's just... i had pretty much the same after um the mpl quals i guess is it, it looked like tempo were gonna be no we don't we don't need you and the players turned around and said well we think we do need him um mm-hmm. so let's make this happen and I, without that without the support from those players i definitely wouldn't have stayed in that role you know yeah so it's it's I feel like that, I don't, that's the thing to me i don't know if it's if, it, if there's a new game come out now is it still the same or are people more understanding of coaching on a whole now i think uh i think it's always going to be like like organizations and like even in sports it, like you're going to look at it from an organizational standpoint or a, a business standpoint that's yeah. what i meant to say so like is it is it worth it obviously like the beginning days of PUBG, maybe it wasn't. Maybe, you know, they had a right yeah. to obviously be skeptical. That's I, I, it may not have been worth it. You could probably find success without a coach, right, at the beginning. 
just having skilled players, mm-hmm. having players that maybe know a little bit more about the meta, like fine, you're, you're going to be more successful. But in the long run and building that team um, for, you know, setting them up for success in the future and for the long run, um, a coach is definitely valuable. Um, there's no doubt about it in my mind. So like you see Valorant come out, like obviously these organizations, they know it's going to be uh, an esport that's going to stick around for a long, long time and it's going to grow. So they're investing in coaches right away, at least like a, a handful of them, um, mm-hmm. as far as I know. So, yeah. um, but if, if another game came out and maybe it wasn't as popular, um, just like right now, maybe they wouldn't invest in coaches right away. But, you know, once that, that need fills and it makes sense from the business side, then they will for sure. Yeah. Because it is something that's valuable. It's just like, you know, you're going to value obviously players because you can't compete without the players. You can mm-hmm. compete without a coach. That's true. So you're going to value paying your players first. Once you have that team and then a coach is necessary, then, you know, you go ahead and, and pick up the coach. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how it makes sense from, from a business point of view. And you have to like see that perspective too. So, yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, so you touched on these coaches that are unpaid or people that are just getting their foot in the door as a coach so what advice would you have for someone trying to get their first coaching gig or um for me it's hard because like you're always going to give advice based on your own experience yeah so from my own experience i started with a team that i built or with a team that you know with my brother and then he found players and you know we made roster changes and we worked together on that so it was kind of like uh, I had a lot of control on the team that I built. So it, it's hard to be like you're, you're coming in as a coach and you're just like you find a, a team to coach. Um, for me, it's more like you need to like work your way up and kind of like um, take your time with like from the start and just like go with that team, like work your way up the ladder with that team. Yeah, um, that's like the way that I did it. So that's kind of like the way that I would say worked for me. Um, sure results. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to kind of like prove your worth and like learn as you go and um, have that experience with with the teams that you grow with. Maybe, you know, you grow with one team and then, uh, you know, a better team like is like, oh, this coach seems to be doing good work with them. I'm going to see if he's, you know, he wants to work with us. And then you kind of work your way up that way. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of like what I did, uh, like, I guess later in my career. So like I worked with the same team for a long, long time. And I proved that, you know, I was a good coach. I had progress with that team. And then, you know, TSM comes out of out of uh, Europe and they're like, hey, do you want to come and join our team? Like, we need help on the coaching side. So I joined them and then, you know, mm-hmm. work my way up, go to phase the next year. Like, that's just kind of like, that's how you progress. Like, you just need to prove your worth and make sure you're constantly learning. Um, use your knowledge and try to apply it, like, all the time. Um, I'm constantly trying to, even now to this day, I'm learning every day from my team, from... Uh, outside resources i can talk about more of that later um but yeah just constantly learning and even stepping back sometimes and saying you know maybe I'm, i might not be right in this case and i need to identify when that is and um you know every once in a while learn something that way just by making the mistake or admitting yeah. you're wrong so <coughs> and that's important yeah, that's, that's probably a, the advice i would give yeah, that, that's the thing a lot of people struggle with admitting admitting maybe they are wrong in this case and that's where people butt heads a lot i, I feel like you see that a lot more in esports because um, people are so young or maybe it's not people are so young 
you I guess you get conditioned, you know, if, if you're learning as a, a football player, you're conditioned from six years old uh, yeah. to be working with coaches. And suddenly in esports, you suddenly get good at a game and then you've got someone saying, uh, you need to you need to say this when you're going, you're pushing this area. And they're like, I don't need to say that. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Yeah. It's a huge thing because these these kids in traditional sports, they they're th- they're taught that at a young age, especially when, you know, when you're younger, you you just take in more information and you're able to learn a lot better. Um, and you're more like it's, it's just easier to, for, for them to, like, learn these things when mm-hmm. they're younger. Um, but for esports, like, you know, you're 14, 15, 16, some, somewhere around that age when you're getting into it. And then, you know, when you get your first contract, you, you should be around, you know, legal age. And you just never had that experience. You've never worked. Maybe you've, you've never done team sports before. You don't have that yeah. past experience. That's a big thing when it comes to like players. Like I will always look at players that have that experience that that team, like they know how to work with a team, especially in team 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 games, right? Like there are individual esports out there, but for team games, you need to know how to work with a team. If you have that experience already and you've done it in the past and you kind of know how the environment is, like that's going to go a long way and, and you're going to be able to teach like your teammates about that stuff and you, you, you know, your coach is going to be able to work with you a lot easier. So like that's a big thing that, you know, when you're, when you're diving into esports as a player, it, you're just kind of like, like one day you're just a kid playing a game and the next day you're a professional and you're expected <laughs> like to do all these things, right? Like, yeah. Uh, you don't have that that build up slowly progressing from like wh- how you would a traditional point of view from traditional sports. Um, if you started when you're a kid and you go through like all the phases and you're taught this is how things are and this is how it should be. This is how it works. You work with different coaches and you get all this experience. So I 100 percent agree with you on that point. Uh huh. <clears throat> um, so what did you wish you'd known when you first started out as a coach? Um, I think I wish I'd known how to speak to players, um, in a better way. I think a lot of my early mistakes and like a lot of early issues I had with players was just like, I wasn't expressing my perspective the right way. Um, I would kind of go about it really aggressively and I would be really stubborn with like my point of view mm-hmm. because I thought I was so right all the time and. And that's what they just need to see. But I think like just learning how to deal with people better. Um, not that like I was yelling at players or anything like that, but just learning how to like influence them better and like understanding how to get to them, how to convince someone like this is good for you um, rather than just like saying it one way. Like it's different for every player. Like you have to look at the person and like have each player like they're they're a separate personality they're a separate like mind like you have to be able to kind of differentiate between them and like i'm going to deal with this player this way because that's what works for him and i'm going to deal with this player this way because that's what works for Mm -hmm. him so i think learning that skill and obviously that's something i had to learn because i had no experience before um if if i had known that starting out things would have gone a lot better a lot quicker yeah but yeah so that that would be it for me. <clears throat> then that's uh, I feel like I hear that a lot when players will talk to me about their current coaches and they say they don't do anything. I feel and there's a lot of these guys that definitely they know what they're talking about, but mm-hmm. they haven't found their voice. So yeah, they're scared to say you should do this or this, and they'll just sit there and uh, 
listen a lot and let let players argue over nothing um it doesn't go anywhere you know you just end up going around in circles so that's yeah that's definitely good advice you know finding that voice yeah it's something it's something i learned along the way it's not something that most coaches will just know right off the bat like oh um, it's it's you need difficult to ha- you need to learn that you need to have that experience right yeah so but it, but if let's say i were to go to valorant like now like maybe i wouldn't know so much about like valorant meta and stuff like that but i would know how to deal with the team i would know how yeah. to you know speak with players properly how to problem solve as a team how to have that conversation and facilitate that well um and not have those kind of issues right so like there's a lot that that experience from a coach coaching perspective like from anything like you can apply it to whatever you're coaching in yeah um it doesn't matter about the game that much Which I, yeah i so. actually think that's a ve- that's a very large part of coaching you know the the understanding the game you can even you can, you can even you know you have an analyst on your team that understands that, that a lot more and you're just making sense of that and making sure the players understand it you know <clears throat> exactly um okay so this is a tricky one <laughs> so what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from it um that, that is a tricky one you're right yeah. um my biggest failure i would say um goes back to pgi burbank uh pgi for those who don't know was the first global PUBG event um i think they had i think it was in berlin if i'm not mistaken the finals yes they're in berlin the finals yes so the finals were in berlin and they had like you know big influencers attending and uh it was very few teams who were able to to qualify there was very limited spots um and we failed to qualify i think we definitely could have qualified if my team was just better prepared for some of the games I think that during that event, um, I was still a pretty inexperienced coach at that time. And I, I feel like looking back now, I held back on a lot of things that I could have, uh, said that would have been helpful, Uh um, because I was, I was very scared. And this is something you just mentioned recently. I was very scared about how, uh, the players would react to like what I was saying and the the message I was trying to convey. Maybe I was like talking too much or I was like putting, Mm -hmm. like putting too much on them. Um, but as a coach, like you learn that if you don't do it, like if, if you're not doing the things that you need to in the moment, like you're going to regret it. You need to be able to get the message across and make sure that your team like understands like what they need to do. Um, you don't have to worry about like if your players are going to hate you in the moment or not. Like Uh even if your players hate you for that moment, like if it works out in the end, they're going to like, you know, it's going to be worth it. Right. So it doesn't matter about, you know, having my players like like not getting on their nerves in the moment or whatever it is. Like I need to make sure I'm doing my job. And that's something I could have done a lot better in that tournament, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, looking back, obviously like it's in the, it's in the little details, but um, I remember for sure there were instances where I like held my tongue. And if I didn't, I think that could have went a long way or I could have like avoided a few things and we would have done better that tournament. And we were really close to making it. So I do think that was like the determining factor, at least one of them. So, Uh uh-huh. That was also a. That was a weird event. That it was. Uh, it was twenty teams. Yeah, it was a twenty team yeah. event, and we had the the NV Ghost Mix, who qualified as well. It was like a, a team that shouldn't have been there, and yes, they, I remember had, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <coughs> it was a weird one, but nonetheless, like I need to do my job, and that's something that I think was my biggest failure, and I, I learned that I just shouldn't hold my tongue 
and just yeah. say like what I what I'm thinking when I when I want to and you know whether my team agrees with me or not at least we're having the conversation about it and I said it rather than it's just like in my head and then you know I have regret later yeah I think that's important even just like you say you have that and you have the conversation even mm -hmm. if they turn around and like yeah well we don't care like yeah you've got to do that and then exactly yeah yeah shouldn't be afraid to do it yeah which again comes down to finding your voice which yep is so key so key in yeah it's all it's all with experience and uh it's going to take time but you you learn as you go and mm -hmm. you know every like like i said before even to this day i'm still learning i'm still learning like things i can improve on things i can do better things i can adjust and yeah mm -hmm. it's just it's always constantly learning and applying that i feel like i feel like the day you stop learning as a coach is the day you should stop coaching um yeah I, I agree with that there's always always something new to learn uh okay so what are what's the best resources that have helped you along the way um some of the best resources would be anything sports psychology and mm -hmm. coaching like i listen to a lot of podcasts um on sports psychology and coaching um if you know ddk dino Capadia yes from csgo I, I've he actually, does a lot of podcasts on that stuff I, actually when i when i used to play shoot mania uh, which is like a quake style game. All the players would compare me, saying I look like him. Which I don't think I do now. But when I was young, <laughs> when I was younger and a little bit more skinny, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it cut you off. But no, no, it's fine. But uh, yeah, like I was saying, his stuff is really good. I think that there's a lot to learn from his podcast, his content, um, and then there's like books and stuff that I read as well. One I would recommend is called you win in the locker room first uh it's by john gordon and mike smith mm -hmm. they are two american football coaches and they talk a lot about building the proper team culture how important that is for winning in the long run um having the management on board and making sure that this culture is not just within your team but it's like a, an organization-wide thing where like everyone has this goal and how they want to approach things and mm. uh, the way that they like the mindset that they're using um, and it's all linear across the board so yeah that's a really good book um if you want to learn more about that okay. but uh basically any resource like i said like constantly learning sports psychology coaching learning from other coaches it's uh -huh. yeah yeah stuff that's helped me yeah okay i actually um recently read uh phil jackson's 11 rings i don't know if you've read that I haven't read it i will though it's actually it's a good read it was it was really interesting for me because i started when i started coaching i kind of like it was like overnight i hadn't prepared for it i put like i planned to start coaching further down the line right but then it was just mm -hmm. things fell into place just kind of happened really, yeah like out of nowhere so it's like kind of like i was caught off guard but then i've read i i come to read his book and i was it was interesting for me because it's kind of like the same ideas of how you should coach and it kind of just made me go okay well maybe i'm not maybe i'm not crazy there is actually other people that do it my way you know mm -hmm. i'll definitely take a read uh i'll look into that one for um, sure um okay so phil jackson's a great coach <laughs> obviously yeah 11 rings you know <laughs> <laughs> Did he had good players under him uh, but, yes you know coach makes a difference yes. 
some of the best players. Not that I know much about basketball, but <clears throat> uh, okay. So who are three people that have been most influential to you? Um, in no particular order, I would say Weldon Green is a guy that worked in League of Legends with different teams. Is uh-huh. a sports psychologist. He worked with a lot of teams, and he put out some content uh, that kind of got me interested in the sports psychology side of esports and and coaching. Um, and then I would say Zeus. Uh, he worked with Luminosity Liquid and now works with MIBR and CSGO. Really great coach, has a good mindset, and uh, a lot of the content out there that he talks about what he what he does is like uh, very aligned with like my coaching style and what I think is important. Um, and then I would say Jared Tendler, who currently works for Team Liquid. He is an ex-poker player, um, mm. and he... He does a lot of work and has some books um, as well. Um, and he does a lot of work with Team Liquid and works with their teams on sports psychology and stuff. And I think that, you know, his his approaches, you know, along with Zoos and the other uh, Weldon Green as well, like they're all like very similar in like their approach and their ideas and yeah, how they're bringing, uh, I guess, uh, ideas and strategies from tr- traditional sports and even stuff like poker, which is very, very like mind yeah it's very very big on the on the brain side um which you know obviously gaming is huge on that so uh they bring a lot of ideas and strategies from that and bring it <coughs> to esports so i think that that's that's something I, that those are three people that you know influenced me a lot and mm-hmm. got me i guess like in the door in terms of like opening my knowledge into like more things and you know one thing leads to another you find someone's name and it's like oh they've done a podcast with this guy and then you learn about him and, and it, it brings you to like this this yeah. esports psychologist and you learn from her and it just goes like crazy and you're just constantly learning again. It's just back yeah. to that. Just constantly keeping on, keep on learning. It's a, it's an exciting thing to me to see people coming into esports from traditional sports and things like poker. Um, yeah. Which is definitely very new. Um, so it's, it's be very interesting to see what happens with that in the next couple of years, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think we've even, um, Armin Green, who was a American football player, is the head coach at a, at a university for esports now as well. Which is all like, it's all crazy to me. But maybe that's because esports is nowhere near as big in the UK um, mm-hmm. as it is in America. Yeah, I mean, in in America, at least I can speak for America the most. I, I live in Canada, but mm-hmm. you know, I guess Big Brother that's they would refer to us as the guys in the north but um yeah there there's a lot of uh investment and and the people in traditional sports like the big uh money guys they they know the trajectory trajectory of esports yeah so they they are investing into it they are getting involved and a lot of people are making that transition even like you're saying um because they know that you know this this was once where their sport was or x or y sport was Uh, so they know that it's going to be huge like it's already big but they know it's going to be even bigger Um, especially with the next generations like just growing up on you know having access to video games from such a young age like especially with mobile esports now when you know little little kids five six seven years old they have access to a mobile phone and they're playing these games and then you know they hit a certain age and their parents get them a computer and like it's just like it's become more common now so 
uh, it's just more accessible. Um, it's probably around, I guess for like a computer investment, it's around the same as like you would think for, you know, buying equipment for like some of the more expensive sports out there. Yeah. So like the, and these are, and they're teaching kids like how to interact with other people. It's teaching kids social skills. Like there are a lot of good things that come from it. Um, so parents are like getting involved too and getting their kids involved. So I think that like, yeah, just down the line, like they know it's going to be huge. So yeah, they're getting involved. That's, that's a fun thing to see uh, parents getting their kids involved. Yeah. It's Cause for, for, it is. For, for me as a child, it was totally different. Go, yeah. <laughs> go get a job. You can't you make doing? money from go this. Outside, get a job. Yeah. yeah. And then you make some money and then they're suddenly like, oh, maybe you can, you know, but so many people never, yeah get to make that leap because they don't make the money from it and now we're gonna the next generation is gonna be crazy um okay so if you could teach a player one thing what would it be um for me it would be the ability to have an open mind and um look at other perspectives when problem solving i think a lot of players that i've maybe not dealt with there's a few of them but a lot of players that i have uh i guess come to know um obviously i don't know the internal things of like certain players on mm -hmm. other teams and stuff but they're very stubborn and set on what they think and it can be hard for them to listen to others and that again comes from like not having that experience like growing up with other like working with teams in the past and coaches and mm -hmm. um like just the kind of becoming a professional like overnight kind of thing um, so just like teaching them to have that ability to be open-minded and listen, really listen to what your coaches are saying and what your teammates are saying so that you're not just like tunneled on your own, like, uh, the way you see things like your own perspective, uh, because you may not always be right. And, um, yeah, you may not just be like fully looking at the biggest, the big picture. So yeah. that's the biggest thing for me. Uh -huh. You just have an open mind and like having having the ability to look at the other perspectives when problem solving uh-huh so how how do you deal with a player that's extremely stubborn you have a lot a lot of patience <laughs> <laughs> you need that patience <laughs> yeah you you got to take the time to explain your perspective and just like keep like pushing that that narrative of just like this is how like i understand you have to kind of side with them a little bit and say like, uh -huh. I understand where you're coming from. I get your point of view. I really do. Like, this is what you want. I know why you want it. This is what you're pushing for. And this is why I get you. I'm with you on that. But there is a, but there's the other side of the spectrum where I think this, and this is why I think this. And you know, I'm listening to you. And I think that you should be able to listen to me and think about what I'm saying or listen to your teammate and think about what he's saying or whatever. Um, and it should be a compromise. Like, how mm -hmm. would you feel if every time you said something, someone just didn't listen to it at all and they just didn't even, you know, think of it at all? Yeah. Um, kind of put them in the other person's shoes and like it's about teaching them like both sides of it. Right. So yeah. it, it may take a lot of time and it's different for everyone, depending on like how they grew up and their experiences and stuff. But like that's how I would go about it. And yeah. that's how I've done it in the past. Well, it's almost like teaching people life skills. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. But you can't expect that's the thing you can't expect because they didn't have like like everyone grows up differently and they have different influences and they've gone through a different path in life oh, yeah. you can't expect everyone to be the same as you and have the same knowledge and you know morals or whatever it is like uh like 
the same skills and experience. So yeah. you need to kind of like mold that. And as a coach, you need to uh, influence them in the right way, in a positive way. And just like work on it in time. Like it, can't, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what is one myth about coaching that you'd want to de- debunk? Yeah, this this one goes back to what we were talking about kind of at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's For me, it's that you don't have to have been a, a professional player oh, to yeah. be a coach. <clears throat> so, of course, it helps having that player perspective um, and experience is obviously a good thing because you want to be able to put yourself as the coach in the player's shoes uh, in certain situations and, like, always think about what they think and, um, you know, understand it from their perspective. But it, it's not like, like I'm proof that it's, it isn't impossible to be yeah. a good coach without that, right? Like <coughs> I had very little experience playing in PUBG competitive. Uh, like I said, I only played maybe four games and like, that's like no training, no scrims, no practice or anything like that. I've never been on a team. Mm-hmm. Like I just played the game on the side and I, I coached the team and I watched, right? Like that was all my knowledge. I just watched the games. Um, and I learned with the players as they started learning from the very beginning. So it isn't impossible to be a good coach without that. That's that's basically yeah the thing I want to debunk. Yeah, I look at it like if you were a player, you just have that, like you just have a little bit more respect in the door, you know, when you first come in. But ultimately, it still yeah. means nothing because what you could be saying is utter shit, and then you you lose that respect, you know. Yeah, and you. I mean, I, for me, I just like prove myself in my own way, like. I put myself as a coach mm-hmm. and you know nowadays like people who reach out to me they respect my opinion it doesn't matter that like nobody even cares that i wasn't a player before nobody care nobody cares that you know i never played the game and i'm not even good at the game like if someone watches me stream PUBG, they're gonna think like like they're not gonna care they just know that i'm a respected coach they know that i know what i'm talking about and i know how things should be i may not be able to do it i may not be, have the mechanical skill mm-hmm. um especially because i don't practice and play that much but it doesn't matter like you still have like i earned that right like over a course of time yeah so like yeah it it does help i'm not saying it doesn't but it is not impossible to to achieve that with without having that player experience yeah yeah i i feel like that's um i feel like you almost could be like you're gonna see it in the next couple years where you're gonna have people that have never played and it's pretty much going to be predominant predominantly people that have never played are going to be coaching because they've you know they've got that training they've got the experience as a they've gone through traditional sports coaching channels and moved mm-hmm. into esports um i feel like that's definitely the way it's going to go um because right now there's a lot of player coaches that are there just because they used to play with the guys that they're coaching yeah. so they're all just all buds i would say that the biggest reason for that um well i guess look one of the biggest reasons because like yeah you you know the guy you trust the guy you you're friends with him whatever it is you played with him before um but it's that respect like yeah. that respect that same level like i know that he knows what he's talking about because he was a player like before he played with me or like he was a player on this other team and they were like a, at the same level uh but whereas like with a coach if they didn't play the game before uh, it's hard for like that coach to come into a, a team. Like, let's say I were to go to Valorant and like try to coach like CS players who who came from CS. Yeah. And uh, like they're not gonna respect me as much, 
uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm a PUBG coach and they don't uh, relate to that. Right. But like, let's say I were to go coach uh, the guys who, you know, who just recently got dropped, unfortunately, from 100 Thieves. If I were to go try and coach them, they would respect me as a coach because they have that relation. Like they have yeah. that respect from PUBG because they came from that. They know, like, I know what I'm talking about, at least on a certain level of like how to manage a team properly, the way that you approach things. Like I can learn the, the Valorant part and they know that. But like it's, it's just like it's all in the mind. Like it's what the players think. Right. Like mm -hmm. if you understand what I'm saying. Like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so. If you could step into my shoes, what's <laughs> one thing I should have asked that I didn't? Uh, I would say that I would ask myself uh, how it was coaching my brother and also like having to cut my own brother from a team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause that's uh -huh. like an interesting thing that I think not a lot of people have experienced. No. Um, it was really, really tough for me to try to work with the team and show all the time, like constantly having to think about like not being biased and, yeah. you know, almost going out of my way to treat Adam, like go even harder on him because I want the team to know that, you know, I'm not being biased and yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my job and eliminate that kind of that part of the relationship. Um, obviously he's always going to be my brother, but you know, if he's part of the team that I'm coaching, I need to eliminate that from like, that doesn't matter that I'm just the coach and they're the players and that's it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, during working hours that that's how it is. So that, that was really tough for me. And then having to cut him because, uh, that was what the majority of the team wanted. And we kind of all agreed at the end of the day that that was the, the step that we wanted to take. Uh, that was obviously really hard. You're basically firing your own brother, uh, putting him out of a job, yeah. at least for, you know, a little bit of time, but it's, it's so hard. I had to deal with, you know, family stress on top of that. I was living with my grandparent at the time, um, at my grandfather and he, you know, when he heard about that, it made him very stressed and he was like, you know, giving me shit and uh yeah you know my parents as well were really tough on me when that happened um but you know I, it's just you got you got to do something some of these things when it's like a hard decision to make and that's all a part of like coaching especially at the highest level like you need to be able to make that hard decision kind of like what you're talking about before yeah i don't know if anyone's had to do that other than you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like that's very it's a, that's very rare Although I have, there's definitely been brothers play on the teams together before, but maybe not one as a coach. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, it's, it's unique. It's really unique. Yeah. So, where can people see more from you? Uh, so, people can see more from me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and even TikTok. Uh, it's at CoachDids on all channels. And, that must uh, be nice. And also on YouTube. <laughs> I'm also on YouTube. Uh, you can just type in my name on YouTube, whether it's Coach Dids or Phase Dids, and I should come up uh, with the search. But and you've been uh, putting in a you've been putting in a lot of work on your YouTube as well. So yeah, yeah, I've been trying to upload weekly. So uh, it's it's obviously a lot of time consuming, but uh, I'm trying to put out at least a video a week. So I'm trying to grow on that aspect. Yeah, but yeah, and it's all yeah, it is it all is nice to coaching have, uh, related. Yeah, it's all, uh, not all coaching um, related. Yeah. Mostly, mostly. 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 Okay, okay. All right then, well. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me. That was, yeah, that man, was, it's been that great. was fun. That was good.
it was a good conversation for sure. Had a lot to say and uh, it was great to be able to answer all your questions.